my name is Danya, and I'm the kids pastor here at New Hope. Also, I get to serve on the speaking team here. Thank you, daughter. Um, yeah, guys, summer's wrapping up. Crazy. So um, we are actually going to get started. We're going to do a little phone poll. So why don't you guys get out your phones, and there's going to be some instructions on the screen for you, a little QR code you can use, um, or you can text 22333. Whatever. So follow those instructions. Um, I'll give us a little brief introduction, then we'll get right to it. Well, we have come to the end of a great journey this summer. This is our final week of our Jesus Storybook Bible series, the whole of Scripture whispering the name of Jesus to us. And I have been struck by the considerable ground that we have covered as a church. So if you've missed some of the messages this summer, no worries, that happens. Um, I really encourage you to head to inewhope.org slash sermons. And there you will find all of the messages from this series. Really, really helpful for those of you who need help connecting the dots between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, it's robust, but I'm just, I'm really proud of our team and what we've accomplished this summer. Um, we have, we've actually been a little bit surprised by it because, you know, the Jesus Storybook Bible is actually a kid's Bible. But you know what? It is powerful. Well, recently I was talking with my son about Christmas, and I want to hear from you. So this is where your phone poll is going to come in. So I've got two questions for you this morning. This is the first question. When is the appropriate time to start listening to Christmas music? All year long. You are, we got 20% of crazy people in here. Um, <laughs> A few months before Christmas begins, I can't wait, or after Thanksgiving, period. Everyone say, period. All right, we're going to, okay, I think it's settled in. So 15% of crazy people, 23% of, no, no, no. I'm going to let you guess where I would be putting my vote. We've got 65% after Thanksgiving period. All right, question number two. When do you put up your Christmas tree slash decorate your house for Christmas? Again, here are our options. I never, oh, <laughs> I never took my Christmas tree down from last Christmas. I am, I'm experiencing relief right now. Um, as soon as the weather gets cold... I don't believe this information. This is skewed. <laughs> is this real? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I like it. We've got a lot of people who say after, after Thanksgiving. Period. Period. <laughs> That's right. You got to get out your snapping arm for that one. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for that insight. I am a woman who likes numbers. I like math, I'm analytical, and now I understand a little bit more about this congregation. I have to admit, as I already have, that I am a hardline Thanksgiving person. All caps. Okay? I like my Christmas season to be as concentrated as possible, so I never water it down by starting too soon. This morning, August 28th, 2022, I'm going to break my own rule. Christmas has come to August. Oh. Woo, woo. Yay, they say. <laughs> we 
Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read the scripture. Uh, yeah, he wants to sing. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and read this together. It is selections out of Isaiah chapter 9. Let's begin. Ready? Go. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. You may be seated. Oh, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. <laughs> well, I'm not sure there's anything more magical than Christmas. I love it. I look forward to it all year long. I spend hours and hours planning Christmas for our family and for our church. I love Christmas movies and Christmas cookies and Christmas decorating and Christmas carols. I love it all. I love Christmas so much that I spend the entire month of January in mourning. I try to stretch it out by leaving my Christmas tree up a few extra days, but alas, we hovits, we still get real trees. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I want a fake one. That's my, that's my little confession to you, but Isaac and my kids won't let it happen. Boo. Okay, bring it on. Okay. <laughs> that, this is a controversial subject. I think we're going to have to revisit this in December. <laughs> Isaac said there's one right answer. <laughs> I leave my tree up, though, until it is brittle, and the, the twigs are, like, snapping off, and it has just become, like, this horrible fire hazard. And then I finally have to take it down, and it is the worst. I think that's why the best part of Christmas for me is the time I spend looking forward to it. As we round the corner into fall, I can already feel the anticipation growing all year long. I long for Christmas. We all know what longing feels like. We all know what it's like to look forward. In fact, I have a question for you. What are you longing for? What are you looking forward to? Maybe it's time off of work or a big trip. Probably not. Summer's just about over, right? Or maybe it's a job promotion or maybe school starting back up. Kids, what do you have to say about that? Uh, parents, what do you have to say about that? That's right. <laughs> Okay, so you guys remember back in 2019 when we watched the final installment of the Star Wars tri like newest trilogy, and there was a preview, 
And the iconic Top Gun bell went off. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, is there going to be a new Top Gun movie? And then the pandemic hit and we had to wait two years. I was looking forward to that, kids. Am I right, Maverick? Yeah. Okay, I have a friend who's seen it 10 times in the theater. It's a lot of moolah. Or maybe you're just simply waiting for the next 50% off sale at Hobby Lobby. Yeah? Okay. Just a little point of just me doing a public service announcement. If you want to buy something at Hobby Lobby, it will go on sale. There's like a rotating schedule. So please, please, please do not pay pay full price. (laughs) Or maybe, more seriously, you're longing to get married. Or you're longing to have children. Or maybe you're sick or in emotional pain and turmoil, and you are longing for healing, longing for answers, longing and waiting for test results to come back. We are all waiting for something. We make plans, we look forward. We are not alone. The Bible is full of waiting and hoping and longing. The Bible is full of looking forward. This morning we're gonna hear from a prophet named Isaiah. That was weird. (laughs) Whom God spoke through to give Israel hope for the future and the coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are glorious and good, and even now we worship you and um, set our hearts towards you. And Father, I pray that your scriptures would come alive to us this morning, um, lighting the darkest corner of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is dynamic and living and always pointing to your will and to your ways. May it change us this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the most basic fundamental traits of the people of Israel, who we've been studying about all summer is that they were always looking forward. Abraham looked forward to the day that he would become a father. Joseph looked forward to the time when his family would be reunited with him. David looked forward to the day that he would finally be king, no longer a fugitive on the run. All of these longings shaped the Israelites, the people of God, conditioned them to be a people of what theologians call the now and not yet. Everyone say, the now and not yet. They knew that God was with them now, working now, doing things on their behalf right now, but they also looked forward to the fullness of his work coming to fruition. Last week, we talked about the kingdom that God established through David. Many kings came after him, good kings and bad kings. And eventually, Israel became infested with idolatry. If you want to learn more about idolatry, take a look at James' message from two weeks ago. They were infested with idolatry. The kingdom split apart. There was civil war. They forgot God. But in his passionate commitment to them, God raised up prophets to call the people back to himself. Enter Isaiah. 
God gave Isaiah prophetic visions of the future during the reigns of several of Israel's kings. In fact, 66 chapters of the Bible are dedicated to his words. Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in all of the New Testament, and in fact, Jesus himself quoted Isaiah. Christmas in August would have been nothing to him. Because his words, his prophecies about the Christmas event actually occurred hundreds of years before Jesus was born on earth. And through Isaiah's words, spoken in obedience, with great risk, God gave Israel a hope for the future. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And we began reading this message by reading together a very famous messianic prophecy, which just means prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, from Isaiah chapter 9 that foretold the coming of Jesus. The prophetic books do not just whisper the name of Jesus. They shout it. It reminds me of my sister. There was a season, I don't know why, but every time she would text me, she would text in all caps. And I was like... I just felt like the wind was about to blow me over, the wind coming through my cell phone. (laughs) This is God texting about his plan for rescue in all caps. These books, there are many of them, are a gift to us to help us know and understand God's plan for those who love him and who call upon his name. So we're going to look at just three gifts, little Christmas presents, if you will, that God promised to us then and still gives us to them today. So the first gift is this, the gift of presents. This is Isaiah uh, 7, 14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. One of the most unexplainable phenomena in history is how God would send his son in the form of a baby. It is a mystery. If you're not okay with it, that's okay. I'm not sure I am either. But it's God's mystery. It's confounding to our small minds. Yet that is what God did. Here is the fulfillment of it in Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is miraculous. Isaiah's prophetic words spoken so long before would be fulfilled by the profound obedience of a young woman. Yet while this is miraculous, a virgin becoming pregnant and conceiving and giving birth to a child, even more unthinkable is the incredible submission Jesus lived out in being born the way that he was born. He laid aside his power. He laid aside his might. And he took up the fragility, the helplessness. I mean, good job, Judah. You made noise at just the right time. Of a little baby. Can Judah do anything on his own behalf right now? Mom, dad, they know no. Uh Uh-uh. No. But that's what he did. He gave up his human rights. Listen to what Philippians 2.6 says. 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to grab onto, to not let go of. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. But why? Why would God choose to send his son to come to earth? Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to earth embodying the words of Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived and he walked among his disciples. He experienced cold and hot and thirst and hunger and desire. God's one and only son lived the disgraceful, uncertain, limited life of a human here on earth, though he was God. It's miraculous. He chose to live among men who would object to his teachings, try to trick him into blasphemy, and who would ultimately beat him and betray him and kill him. This is Emmanuel, God with us. God going to the greatest lengths possible to show his passionate commitment to being with his people. Through Jesus, God gave us the gift of his presence. So here's another question. Have you ever gone to great lengths to be with somebody that you love? Isaac and I met, uh, I was a teenager, a wee teenager, and he was 20 when we met at Bible College in Southern California, and our first summer, we took some time, we traveled, I met his family, that's a whole other story, by the way, and then we road tripped down to Sacramento, where I'm from. And from there, Isaac left and drove the, what, 500, 600 miles down to Southern California. Um, when we had to say goodbye, we were a wreck. We were a wreck. <laughs> and I remember he got down there. This is before cell phones, kids, okay? He didn't have a phone with him. But when he got down there, he called me and he was like, I think I'm going to come back. And he arranged for a couple more days off from his new boss, by the way. And he drove up, and that night he was back on my doorstep. Oh, to be young and in love. <laughs> did, did you know that that's how God feels about you? Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just a Christmas promise. It's God's promise to us now, right now. God desires to be with his people, to bring them near, to reconcile them to himself and to live closely with them. The way things were originally meant to be, when God created Adam and Eve, they were meant to live alongside their creator before sin entered the world. Emmanuel, God with us, that is the plan. The Israelites looked forward to Emmanuel. But you and I, we live in the surpassing grace of his promise fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The greatest gift we can ever receive is the presence of God in our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was with God in the beginning, who lived life side by side with the disciples, is with us still by the power of the Holy Spirit. The promise of God's presence was fulfilled by Jesus Christ right here on earth. Isn't that amazing? What a gift. The second gift is light. Lainey talked about it. I loved it. Didn't she do such a great job? <laughs> Isaiah 9-2 says this, The people who walk in the darkness will see a great light 
For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Amen. The divide between light and darkness, righteousness and sin, good and evil, life and death, heaven and hell, it is expansive and it is real. We live with darkness threatening to close in on us at all times. And some of you are feeling that deeply this morning as you walk in the doors here. There is only one true light that can outshine all of the darkness that this world has to offer. The advent of Christ is the gift of light to all who believe. John 1, 4 through 5. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Never. John 8, 12. This is Jesus talking about himself. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I think we all want to experience life. We can. This is the good news. Have you ever walked in darkness? Recently, I went to camp with uh, our kiddos. I have a picture. And I have a mom problem as well. I'm not in it. <laughs> because the thing is, is we always take the pictures, don't we? And we're never in. I was like, sometimes I'll be like, Isaac, take a picture with me real fast. Because I don't want it to be like mom didn't exist when the kids look back at our photo albums. <laughs> We had so much fun. Oh, my gosh. It was a riot, except at night. Okay? It was dark. Our cabins were out in the woods. The bathrooms were far away. And every night, I had to go to the bathroom right in the middle of the night, and I could not do it. 41-year-old that I am, I could not make myself t take that little trek by myself across the, you know, expanse of darkness and into the bathroom, which would have been very relieving. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. Fear pressed me too much. The world that we live in is full of sin, pain, uncertainty, fear. It presses us. Lies and deception and hardship are only ever a breath away. But Jesus came to provide us the light that we need to be able to see clearly, to live in righteousness and goodness and faith and hope and love. But how do we access that light? The first and most basic step is to read the scriptures, read the gospels, become familiar with the way of Jesus who said in John 14, if you love me, obey my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The scriptures are a gift of light to those who live in this dark world. And God also promised the Holy Spirit as a guide, a comforter, an advocate. God has given us the gift of light so that we don't have to walk in the darkness. The promise of light to be able to see our way through this dark world was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. What does the psalmist say? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God has given us a great gift. Well, our third Christmas present this morning is the gift of security. This is Isaiah 43, 13. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. I'm going to say that one more time. No one can snatch 
anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. God has promised that when we say yes to Jesus, we have security in him. We are his children. Not only will he be with us, not only will he give us light to shine our pathway forward, but he will never leave nor forsake us. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus out of John 10. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Do you hear that? For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. The father and I are one. And all I have to say is hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you hear the words of Isaiah coming to fullness through Jesus Christ? No one can snatch them away. No one can undo what I have done. My father has given them to me and he is more powerful ooh, than anyone else. When we say yes to Jesus, we are safe with him forever. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 8. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I wish I had understood this when I first became a Christian. I was 10 years old. I was just a kid when I said yes to Jesus. And my family, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Nobody knew anything about the Bible when I got saved. So I had to go it alone. And for the rest of my childhood, for all of my adolescence, for a good portion of my 20s, I lived with a persistent, tenacious fear that I had displeased God, and maybe I wasn't even saved. That I had to earn God's affection. My problem was this. My family and the way that I was raised had leaked over into how I saw God. I had to be healed of that. It took a long time, you guys. There are people in this room that need to be healed of their, of their beginnings, which did not point the way of light or the way of God, which are not the Father's heart. In my family, when you did something wrong, you were cut off. And you know what? To this day, I have two living fathers who have not talked to me in 15 years. They don't have anything to do with me. It's like I don't exist. But guess what? Here is the good news of the gospel. God is not an earthly father. In fact, Numbers 23, 19 says that he is not a man that he should lie. And so when he says that no one can snatch us out of his hand, he means it. When Jesus says, no, my father is more powerful than anybody else, he means it. We are secure with him. The gift of Jesus Christ is a secure position of righteousness before a holy and perfect God. We have to put our faith in Christ. 
And in that, we have been given the gift of positional security, which is not contingent on our works, lest anyone should boast, but on our faith. Psalm 27.10 says, Though my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Let me tell you right now, I have staked my life on it, and I have never regretted it. There are those in this room who have experienced abandonment, who have experienced betrayal of the worst kinds by the hands of those who should have been trustworthy. And it is difficult to believe that you can be secure in anything other than yourself or your tight inner circle or your controlled environment. Yet God is our hiding place, as the psalmist says. We have security in him. No one can snatch us away. God has given us the gift of security and he will not take it from us. Isaiah shows us this so clearly. As I said before, the book of Isaiah doesn't whisper Jesus. It shouts him to us. And as we read the words of Isaiah so many years later, we can see it. We can see the expanse of the Old Testament coming to fulfillment in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he did and the life he lived and the words that he spoke while he was here on this earth. It shouts to us, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And through Christ, we have been given the gift of God's presence. We have been given the gift of light. We have been given the gift of eternal security. Well, before we close this morning, we're going to end with a little addendum. Andrea touched on this uh, last week in her message, and it's kind of interesting because I went to kids' camp when I needed to be writing this message, so I actually wrote my message while she was writing her message that she preached last week. And she spoke, or God spoke several things to both of us. And, you know, initially my thought was, oh, I, I should probably change that in my message. But then I realized, no, this is a confirming voice, a confirming word from the Lord. Here's our warning, and it's a gentle one. It's easy to miss what seems so obvious. Did you know that when Jesus came to earth, the people who should have recognized him completely missed him? The Israelites were brought close. The line of David was the line of Jesus. Their nationhood was ultimately for the rescue of the world. The promise of salvation through the Messiah was written in the pages of prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, promise after promise after promise. In fact, it was so clear to them that there would be a Messiah, that they looked forward to the advent of the Messiah. And yet when Emmanuel came, they did not know him. They didn't recognize him. It would be like living through the entire month of December and not noticing the lights and the music and the decorations and the Christmas, you know, celebrations, never realizing that Christmas had come. How horrible would that be? There is a gentle warning in this for us. Did you know that we can live our entire lives without including God, without allowing his ways to change us? We can learn very easily to live with whatever earthly stability that we have, family, friends, money. Maybe you're one of those people that has a real problem with the fact that here at New Hope, we will not declare America as God's chosen country because your hope is in America and the system of government and whoever is in power, and you are looking forward to what they can do for you. 
We can easily live with that kind of stability. And we can overlook the almighty God. We can neglect to include him. The God that says, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. We can do this life without him. Or, even worse, we can say we're living for him and have lives that look nothing like the lives of Jesus, the life of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. There is a warning in this for us. We have to be looking for him. What did the, the Jesus Storybook Bible video say? It said, watch for him, wait for him, look for him. And here are a few ways that we can be doing just that. The first is this, worship regularly by coming to church. Every week we have this gift. We get to get together in the presence of God. Psalm 22.3 promises that God inhabits the praises of his people. And as we are together under the banner of Jesus, God is healing us and restoring us. We get to experience Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, let, let's be clear here. We experience that anywhere, everywhere, because that is how God is. He is intimately attuned to us. We are not necessarily intimately attuned to him. But Sundays, there is something sacred that happens as we continually refresh and renew together in the presence of God. Commit to being here on Sundays. Summer's over. Find some stability. Find that anchor point for yourself. Isaac is encouraging us to come every week in September. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, number two. Pray for God's will, not yours. So uh, a couple weeks ago when I spoke, I think it was the first week of this month, I shared with you all a challenge that the Lord gave to me to pray out loud for 10 minutes every day. I haven't done it every day, but I've done it most days. And let me tell you, I, as I mentioned, I pray. I, I pray quietly to myself. I write prayers in my journal. But there is something about praying out loud. And here I am three weeks later, and I'm going, boy, do I believe in the power of prayer. Oh, man. But when we pray, we have to be careful not to just pray for the things that we want, but to actually intercede for God's will on earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus did before he walked the lonely road and the death-laden road and the pain-filled road to the cross. I mean, Jesus was stressed out, and yet he said, not your will, or not my will, but yours be done. Again, Andrea talked about that last week, didn't she? I think it's something for us to really hold on to and grab a hold of. The third thing is read the Gospels. I already talked about this a little bit. Spend time examining the life of Jesus. Take note of his words, his ways, his postures, his heart for people. Notice how he made space for people, unimportant people, marginalized people. Notice how he spoke truth took risk, gave honor, and looked to the Father. Finally, look forward to God's work. This morning is all about looking forward. Look forward to God's work. I talked about the now and the not yet. We are all new creations in Christ as we put our faith in him now, and yet there is a, a transforming work that God wants us to do. It is not complete. He wants to do more. 
And we can look forward to that work in ourselves and in others. So if people bother you, yeah, it's not done. And I'm betting that I bother people. (laughs) I bother myself, okay? (laughs) We can look forward to that work. And actually, we can be secure in God as he accomplishes that work. And I think it's sometimes tempting to put our security in the relationships that we can see that are right with us, right? And surely God gives us those relationships for our support and for our betterment. But ultimately, our security is found in God's work. So we have to look forward to it for ourselves and for those that we love and for those who step on our air hoses. <laughs> in your relationships with, uh, with each other, look forward to God's work. And there's something more I wanted to add. Um, We are going to have some time to pray at the end of the service. There will be people available. If you are wanting to be prayed that the Holy Spirit would, that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I think that today is your day. Because as Jesus said, he promised that as we put our faith in him, that he will give us an advocate. And there, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And we cannot have that without him. So if you want to pray for that, I encourage you to come up. I'm going to stick around for that too. Okay. Christmas in August. What would it be like if we didn't govern our lives through circumstance, but adopted a position of waiting and hoping and looking forward to the future that God has for us. How would our lives be different if we were to unwrap the gifts of God's presence and his light and his security every single day? We don't have to wait for Christmas. 